1: We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat.
0: Mmm, bacon.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show.
0: Um, This is episode 94, the curfew episode.
1: (laughs) It's no longer quarantine. It's curfewed.
0: Now everybody's in a curfew, apparently. It's like we went from... Okay, nobody can go anywhere to now you can go places, but you have to be home by eight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I feel like a grounded teenager. and I'm not making a lot of it. I know the world has gone mad, it seems. and I know all of you are probably seeing what's going on in the world and um, I mean, we don't want to get way into that, but it's, it's obviously it's in all of our faces. So everybody be kind.
1: Everybody do the best you can. The first thing you can do is be nice to your neighbor and the people you see. That's it. That's where you start. Okay?
0: Yep. That's it. And I guess be home by 8.
1: And be home by (laughs) (laughs) 8. All right. So, um, you know, again, we're not going to get into the whole, everybody sees what's going on. Nobody wants to hear about it on a podcast as well. So we're going to talk about keto stuff.
0: We are going to talk about keto stuff.
1: Because that's what we're doing here.
0: Yep. That is, that's what we tend to do. Yes,
1: it's something that we're very, uh, we feel very strong about and we think it's changed our lives and that's why we're sharing it. So, uh, one of the things that's kind of happened uh, in the past couple weeks, and we always talk about how we're changing things up, we're doing something different. Uh, just the past week, we've started doing early morning, completely fasted. Walking.
0: With sleep still in my eyes. With sleep
1: still, Just get out of bed, throw your clothes on, walk out the door, nothing else.
0: Yeah, a drink of water and maybe a little salt, and that's it. And right. out the door. And what's funny is we were both talking about this the other day, and it's, it's funny how you get away from things that you did in the past because that was always how I worked out. I worked out like roll out of bed, clothes were ready, if I was going running, I had to do it before my kids woke up for school. So I would just roll out of bed and go. And then, or I had to do it before I had to be at work and then come back. And coffee was like, I was like, coffee was the reward. It was the reason to make it back to the house. Mm -hmm. You know, don't die on the trail or don't die on the run because you get coffee when you get home.
1: Yeah. And one of the reasons I kind of, you know, went back to this was I, I. You know, I'm gonna be fifty this week. Okay,
0: on Thursday.
1: On Thursday, the fourth of June, I will cross the half century mark officially, and <laughs> and not a big deal. I, I, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. So I so I can say I'm fifty and then laugh at people that are half my age and not in shape. But one of the <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I was looking at was just how to burn fat easier without a lot more effort and. Everything that I had seen, and even though, I mean, I know it's true, and I should have been doing it for a while, is the is getting up early and doing the fasted cardio. And the only reason I, I wasn't doing it is because I'm lazy.
0: Well, and it's not even like a, a, a any kind of strenuous thing. It's actually very enjoyable. We just get up and go for a, a nice walk, like a two-mile walk or a three-mile walk. And what was funny was the first morning that I think you did it, I'd had a bad night's sleep, like, a night or two mm-hmm. previously. And so I had the sleep mask on. I didn't hear a thing. I didn't hear you get up. When I got up at like, I didn't wake up till like 7 or 6 30. And you were like, you'd already been on a three mile walk. And what happened was at that moment, I got this severe case of FOMO. <laughs> like, I was like, I missed out. I missed out on a walk in the wee morning hours when it's like so it's like perfect weather it's beautiful outside it's quiet the sun's coming up and that's my favorite time of day so when you said that i was like okay this is actually help me get my sleep back on track too a lot of times during this whole covid thing or even in life in general if you don't have anything to get up for that can actually mess up your sleep
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you
0: don't have something that you are obligated to the next morning, so doing that now, I'm like I'm waking up, I'm ready to go. I'm a little groggy, to be honest. Right when we get out there, but it feels so good to watch the sun come up.
1: Well, what's interesting is we're not we're not setting an alarm, right? We're just waking up, and it's anywhere from it's between that five thirty and. Six o'clock time that you just naturally wake up,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: you kind of just naturally let yourself wake up, and then you go do. And it is a great time of morning because uh, you know, like you said, it's it's the weather's nice, and you know, around here in Texas, when summer rolls around, if you're not getting in, you're running super early in the morning, you might as well just forget about it.
0: Yeah, run, walk, crawl, whatever you're doing, you better do it early. Yeah, because it's <laughs> gonna get
1: hot, and you're not gonna want to do it, and and that's fine. And I'm not. I've never been one of those people. Again, I was in the military for years, so getting up at 5, 5.30 in the morning to be at work at 6 or 6.30 was normal. But uh, all those people that tell you you have to get up at 4.30 in the morning, you know, you got to do it. I've never been a firm believer in that. And especially if you ever go out to L.A.
0: Right. Okay,
1: those people don't get up early in the morning. The most of the people out there are, get, are, you know, breakfast is at 10.30, okay?
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lunch
1: is at 2 or 2.30. And and that's very normal across the board out there. They just get started late. It's not that they don't do anything or they're lazy. They really just have a different, uh, you know, work day. Right. And that's fine. So, you know, you don't have to get up at 4.30 in the morning or be a Mark Wahlberg and get up at, in the morning.
0: Whatever, man. That is crazy.
1: Sometimes I think they're just making that up to mess with people.
0: I know. I always wonder that, too, because you know Arnold Schwarzenegger would do stuff like that. He would would straight up lie. Yeah. Just to mess with people. Just to mess with people. Uh, And so
1: it's pretty funny. And I think that's what he's doing right now with his I'm a vegan.
0: I I kind of hope so. I
1: really think he's just messing with people because... Uh, we also this last week watched some uh, a couple cool videos of what they call the golden era era of uh, bodybuilding mm-hmm. and they were talking about their diet
0: right and we watched pumping iron and saw like all the stories of those the bodybuilders that were you know arnold schwarzenegger time and before and it was funny because we noticed right away what they were eating they were just all sitting around eating like huge slabs of steak and yeah. eggs and that's all they had there was no rice no chicken no broccoli and and there there were no like big like duffel bags where they had to carry their food all day long they ate a lot of food at one time mm-hmm. So I thought it was really interesting watching that video because they were talking about that the golden age of bodybuilding with him and like the athletes before him. And it, they were show we were watching it and they were showing and pointing out the waist circumference difference on these guys. And I really don't know when that shift happened where they started adding in like rice and protein powders and all the carbs.
1: It it happened somewhere in like the late 80s somewhere around yeah. there. Uh, again, I wasn't into bodybuilding, so I don't really know. But you can see the difference, and uh, you know there was some weird science that kind of came around talking about you know insulin being anabolic and right. so carbs being anabolic. But you know it's anabolic to fat cells just like it is to every other cell. So it's really not it's not healthy for you. But you know a lot of the, a lot of those bodybuilders have a lot of health issues now.
0: Yeah. Well, everybody they were talking about that. Uh, you know, is that we're doing like the enormous amount, like what was it, like a thousand grams of carbs a day? A thousand. Well, Ronnie, what's his name? Green. Ronnie Coleman. Ronnie Coleman. <laughs> Sorry, Ronnie Coleman and Kai Green. I think that's right. Yeah, right? it was a Kai Green. Okay. Yeah. So Ronnie Coleman, we watched a a documentary about him, and he can barely walk. Like his knees, he can barely get around. And I'm just gonna say, a thousand grams of carbs a day is really hard on your joints.
1: Yes, very, very hard on your joints. So, but it was just a great, uh, you know, video to watch and show how bodybuilders used to be all low carb and ate a lot of meat.
0: Right. It was really, and I know, I know a lot of them have always used steroids, but there still is a difference. And the way that their stomachs look yeah. versus like eating tons of carbs versus eating mostly meat and eggs. And the diet was pretty much meat, eggs, red meat, eggs, and um, cottage cheese. And that was pretty much it. That mm-hmm. was what they ate. They said maybe oatmeal every now and again. But other than that, meat, eggs, cottage cheese.
1: Right. So the natural bodybuilder diet.
0: Yeah. Pretty pretty simple. And even if they took steroids, it was interesting how their stomach was not just bloated like guys today, mm-hmm. and they just don't look—they don't look normal.
1: Well, they—they they don't. They look massive because of the, you know all the all the supplements that they take. Right. And you know we know we know natural bodybuilders. You know, we yeah. know Robert Sykes. Robert Sykes. He, you know Keto Savage. He's a natural bodybuilder, and and he—you can look at his pictures online. He looks great.
0: Yeah, he doesn't look like. The guys who are doing the thousand grams of carbs and the tons of steroids, it's completely different. It's very natural looking and it doesn't look scary. (laughs) Right. He
1: looks very healthy and strong on like a normal basis. And then when he gets ready for uh, competition, he, you know, he shreds and he does, uh, you know, a certain diet to get really shredded, which, again, that goes back to any bodybuilder will tell you they're at their lowest and their worst health when they're on stage.
0: Yeah, and I know we've talked to him before, and, and he has such a different kind of strategy uh, going into a competition, and I know he missed his last one because of COVID-19, but the strategy is so different to where he doesn't feel that, like, completely devoid of energy that a lot of people talk about and, you know, not drinking water. that All that stuff is so dangerous for mm-hmm. people, and he just doesn't do that, but he still wins, so, you know, it can be done. You just have to know how to do it the right way, which kind of takes us into something that someone asked us this week, which I, I guess for me, I just assume that people know the answer to this and I should not assume that. But why can someone not eat high carb and high fat together? Someone asked that question and I was like, well, because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, duh.
1: So, so, and this is where, uh, you know, what you know is different from, from other people because Melody Melanie was knows way more about food than I do, I'm, I'm not a food person and I was a, just a calories in calories out person for the, for the, duration of most of my athletic career of I could just eat whatever and then work out harder. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's all I did. And it wasn't until, you know, the last five years that, you know, when my health got bad that I actually took an interest in what actually is food and what actually is not food.
0: Yeah. And you know, the whole idea of like, when we talk about these bodybuilders, you would, if you're talking about the two eras that, that we've mentioned, like that golden age and then guys of like now, you look and you would see the difference in the macros. One group's going to be eating very high carbohydrate and protein and very, very, very little fat. And the other group is going to be eating protein and fat probably in a pretty good ratio and then very, very little carb. So why don't they eat the fat and the carbs together? Well, there there are some really good reasons. And I guess I just never thought that I needed to explain this, but we really do. Um, We know that High carb does something to our body and it helps us to um, excrete the, or excrete, I hate that word, by the way, (laughs) release the hormone insulin. So insulin is released every time we eat some carbohydrates. Well... When we eat fat, we also have some hormones that are released like ghrelin, leptin, all these things that start being released when when we have fats and carbs together. It becomes this perfect storm where one thing really interesting that happens is the chemical in your brain, the neurotransmitter dopamine, what happens there is carbs and fats together it just releases an enormous amount of dopamine, which if you don't know what dopamine is, it's that whatever feeling that you get when you eat something and you feel really good. Like some people liken it to a runner's high. So you can get a runner's high from dopamine, from food without ever having run. Of course, you're gonna get different kinds of consequences when you eat high fat, high carb. You're not gonna get a good workout like a run. You're gonna actually start causing some metabolic damage.
1: Mm-hmm. And this is where we get into why heart disease is the number one killer in the U.S. right now, is because most people aren't disciplined enough to, to manage the two. And we've been talking about bodybuilders and how they manage their diet. Well, most normal people will just eat what they like to eat. Yeah. So if somebody goes out and has a box of donuts and they're like, well, I just ate a lot of sugar and a lot of carbs, now I, I can't eat whatever else, or you know, a fatty drink, or, or they can't drink whole milk, or... Whatever, if you, if you slam those two against each other, that's when all this metabolic dysregulation dis- happens.
0: So, you know, if you look at like our food system back in the 50s and 60s, we did this magical thing in the food industry where we started making ultra refined carbohydrates and we started fortifying them or making them with industrialized seed oils. So that was like the perfect storm. Number one, fats and carbs together are highly palatable. So think of a donut or think of, you know, potato chips or think of, you know, you guys know what the hyper palatable foods are. Um, Fast food is a really good just overall example. French fries from a fast food place are carbs and fat and salt. These are super hyper palatable foods. So that when you eat them, you get that dopamine release. And what, what happens with that is that dopamine release makes you feel good. And then it's really like that's where addiction starts to grow mm-hmm. because you feel good. And then you need more to continue to feel good. So that's where food becomes that thing where people feel good when they eat. Right. And when they start thinking about what they want to eat, what they, what they do is they connect it to how they feel and those hyperpalatable foods make us feel really good the problem is is that not only do the carbs that's gonna you know release insulin that's gonna tell us to store the fat that's included in those carbs in our fat cells and that's where they're also usually and we're gonna use the word calorie for lack of a better term or energy they're energy dense or calorie dense they're high caloric items and so. You know, between the two of those items together, someone just can't keep up with that energy input and the hormones that it's causing to to cascade through their body to tell them to store fat.
1: Right. And, you know, and and. I know we're talking about kind of like why you can't eat high-carb, high-fat, and how that will eventually, it's just going to wind up with your with heart disease mm-hmm. because the damage it's going to do. And you were talking earlier about uh, advanced glycated end products.
0: Yeah, so, you know, when somebody eats, if you have that, I, I just like it to, like, so you get proteins in your body. You have these proteins. You're, you're eating protein. You have carbs. You have fat. So when you put all these things together and you have that, Especially industrialized seed oils that don't, your body just doesn't break down well. What happens is we get this thing called advanced glycated end products. And so these are glycated, that's the glucose word. So they're advanced glycated end products. So they are sticky. I just liken it to like sticky, like rubber glue. That gets on the ends of these proteins in mm-hmm. your body, and that's what causes it to start really like damaging your 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 um, blood vessels, uh, your cells, everything. Mm-hmm. So, if you think about it too, that word ages, ages. It also is the thing that will cause accelerated aging because if you're damaging your cells and you're damaging your blood vessels then you're also you know, shortening your lifespan.
1: Right, and that's where you know, plaque buildup with arteries right. get clogged because when you damage your blood vessels, cholesterol goes there to try to heal the damage. The more it heals it, the more it's going to clog your arteries because, it, because it's covering up the damage. And then, of course, your, your, your blood vessels and arteries get rigid, and they don't move the blood as well. And that's, you know, that's just a downward spiral that you're going to get into when you're eating this high-carb, high-fat diet.
0: Right, and the reason why we kind of run into this issue is it's really interesting because at the same time when, you know, here we are, we think about everything that goes into our mouth, and a lot of you guys probably do too, and you probably are in the place where you're not looking at a meal and thinking, I just want to feel good, so I'm going to eat this particular, you know, high-carb, high-fat food. But there's a whole lot of people out there that through this whole COVID-19 quarantine um experience they have felt bad so what do you do you reach for twinkies you reach for pizza comfort food comfort food macaroni and cheese whatever it is high carb high fat that's what you see people doing and you know there's a reason why pringles potato chips says bet you can't eat just one (laughs) in um you know and lays will tell you the same thing you can't eat just one so what Everybody knows potato chips are that way, and it's because they're the perfect combination. Yeah, I of those always
1: think things. of Mike Myers, you know, uh, so I married an axe murderer. Oh the guy no! guy's like, so they put an addictive chemical in it that makes you crave it day and night.
0: Yeah, exactly, and that's what happens to people. Yeah,
1: and that's that's, that's literally what they're doing. We've talked about the bliss point before, right?
0: But there's also
1: they also know that fat, you know, fat and uh, you know, sugar together create this weird thing where you have to eat more.
0: Well, the fat tastes good Mm -hmm. Um, sugar without fat is gross fat for some people depending on the fat without anything else added to it can also be kind of nasty but you put those two items together if you put a carbohydrate with a fat it's really it is delicious nobody's lying and gonna say it's not delicious it is we just don't have a feedback loop in our brain to tell us to stop eating it because, you know, the carbohydrates, we just aren't built to stop eating carbohydrates. That's not how our body is made. We'll eat them until we just get sick. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just human. That's just how we're built, you know.
1: It is. And that's what you hear about. And we're going to talk about this, too. We're going to talk about grandkids. because. We have some grandkids, and they were over here today, and we had a lot of fun. We did. But uh, Maddie was telling a story about, you know, our grandson Silas getting up in the middle of the night and going and eating sugary, carby things.
0: Right. Um, so we're not going to throw other grandparents under the bus. But, no, I'm <laughs> kidding. So you know how it is, you know, like I said, we think about stuff like this and not everybody does. This isn't part of everybody's life at this point. So, you know, sometimes when you have kids around, you want them to, you feel good when you give them something to eat that makes you feel good. So you know it's going to make them feel good. So a lot of times that's a carby, sugary, fatty food. And so with that, we know that with kids, you know, a lot of times there's some behavioral issues that can just be fixed with food. So that's kind of where we're at with our five-year-old grandson right now. My daughter-in-law wants to, like, work on his diet. And it's interesting because they're just small humans, and when you take away the carbs and the, and the, the carby, high, palatable foods, they get very upset <laughs> you know
1: because they like them and they want them
0: because they they do they like them they want them they get a feel good feeling when they eat them and when you take that away it takes a few days for that to go you know to subside and so you know we were talking about this with transitioning young kids to keto and how it's difficult but the great thing about kids is how fast they tap into their fat stores and burn ketones
1: well you know kids want to play they want right. they want to be active and do things and what what happens is when you start feeding them this this food that's addictive because sugar is an addictive chemical so if you feed a kid sugar all the time they start become less interested in playing and more interested in eating mm-hmm. because they're always getting hungry because those are those are that's empty calories or if you will but it's it's almost anti-nutrient dense food so when their body is not getting nutrient dense food and you're feeding them things like let's say Cheetos, for example, you know, that's not real food. So a a child will consume it, but very soon after that, they're going to be hungry again.
0: And we've, we've said this, this works for adults, for kids, for anybody. When you eat a food like that, the reason why you get hungry so fast is not just because of the glucose response that happens in the body, but it's also when you really look at it, there's no nutrients available in this food So when there are no nutrients, your body becomes nutrient depleted and your body starts crying for nutrients and Mm -hmm. it's trying to tell you through hunger signals. And when you continue to give it a non-nutrient dense food, it just keeps asking for more. And that's why someone can be actually severely overweight and very... um,
1: Nutrient depleted or deficient.
0: Yeah, nutrient deficient or, you know, they just are very unhealthy. Although they have plenty of food to eat and they've eaten plenty of food, they're just nutrient depleted.
1: Right. You're overweight and undernourished.
0: Exactly.
1: So, and, and you know, the way these nutrient deficiencies show up in, in kids five years old is emotional outbursts.
0: Right. That's one of the very first things you might notice with a child are the emotional outbursts or, you know, and then very quickly when our teeth should last us forever, when you start having young kids who have dental issues, this is a really big red flag because their body is pulling those nutrients from their teeth to try to replenish what they're not getting or what's being pulled from their teeth to try to minimize damage in their body.
1: Right. So now you're going to have a child that's got cavities. So, you know, any anybody that's taken a small child to the dentist to get a cavity worked on knows how fun that is. Right. You know? <laughs> Trying to tell a a small child that, no, 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 this nice person is going to only put all these objects into your mouth, mouth, not trying to hurt you. Just stay still.
0: Right. Yeah, that always works.
1: Right. And and all these uh, nutritional deficiencies are going to show up later in their teenage years, and now they're going to show up as anxiety attacks and depression.
0: Right. And we know a lot of people who deal with the teenager that have anxiety issues or depression issues, which... Let's face it, there is a lot going on in the world, but there's also the aspect of that that where you can handle it because your food is providing you the right nutrients to make the right neurotransmitters and to create healthy emotions. And when that's not happening, then all of the things that go on in the world become very o- overwhelming, and you can't handle or deal with certain situations.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's, there's little... To no literature at all out there that talks about anxiety and depression being being connect directly connected to diet. Now there there is some stuff on the peripheral. Like you'll see a lot of like you know the gut brain axis and and this is what they're talking about, but they're not saying it directly. They're not coming out and saying, hey, uh, if you just change your diet, you can heal your anxiety and depression. Because number one, scientists will never say that stuff because they never come out and and just say it does this. They've got to do like a billion studies before they'll even dip their toe in the water of talking about that. But there's a lot of gut-brain access studies out there that are showing how your food directly relates to how your brain your and your emotions.
0: Right. And the, unfortunately, when most people get online to start like looking for this information, the first thing they're going to run across are those top hits, which are going to be your WebMDs and your Mayo Clinics and things like that that are going to push you towards the pharmaceuticals and maybe not towards so much the lifestyle changes. And if you have a young person that you are raising or that is in your family that has anxiety and depression and it's uncontrollable, then this is a huge red flag to start looking at the food because you actually can do things to help that person that teenager that that you know loved one to get better and even if it's an adult and sometimes these are really hard conversations to have because it's very personal what we eat when we go to talk about diet people get very irritated because all of a sudden what happens is the responsibility shifts to you as the parent or it shifts to you as the person where it's so much easier to put the blame on the fact that you just need a medication and you just need somebody to prescribe to you you're broken but that's not the case with a lot of these things a lot of them it's just diet and it's just doing some hard work at Mm -hmm. the very beginning to get it back in line and then from then on, hopefully, a lot of ma- just maintenance.
1: And, and there's uh, and it's not always, you know, we want to say it's their fault. It's like it's the, the parents' fault because there is so much bad information out there about diet that it's almost impossible to get uh, all the right information. Um, and I say that because I just read an article uh, today on you know on the interwebs, uh, and it was it was you know the best diet for type two diabetics. And I was mm-hmm. like, well. Let's see what they have to say because I'm pretty sure I know where they're going, and it's going to be wrong. And it, you know, it just said the same thing: eat a lot of fiber, get plenty of whole grains, eat lots of fruit and vegetables, and it, it mentioned nothing about getting adequate, you know, protein and fats, like almost nothing.
0: And that's so interesting because when we talk about nutrients and we look at the foods that they mention, it is so extremely difficult for a person. To eat whole grains, fruits, and vegetables and to extract the nutrients that are there and then convert them into bioavailable nutrients because when they are eaten just a carrot, for example, you have to change the carotenoid into or the carotene into a absorbable form of retinol, of vitamin A. And that takes like some magic voodoo in the gut to happen. Mm -hmm. Well,
1: you know, they they implied in the article that, you know, a type 2 diabetic doesn't have enough insulin. And that, and that's not the case Yeah. because usually, I mean, well, not say usually, always, if you become a type two diabetic, that's because your body can't use insulin properly anymore. You've, you've had so much of it that your body is resistant to it. Mm -hmm. So them saying that, Hey, you need to eat these food foods because you don't have enough insulin and you need more. And Oh, by the way, we're going to inject you with insulin as well is wrong. It is totally wrong. It should be malpractice that doctors do this.
0: Right. And hopefully you guys all know this and I'm sure that you do, but because we had some like questions this week that kind of fell back into the, what we talked about the last episode, which was like basics, keto basics. And, you know, I have to remember that a lot of this stuff is not just common knowledge because like you said, the bad information is out there. And when someone does go to look at it, they find things like that. So what we're saying could be really confusing to someone because it's contradictory to a lot of things that they are going to find online.
1: Right. And and it's really hard because you, you probably have a lot of intelligent friends that will tell you how wrong you are. And it's, it's really hard because I have these conversations with people I know. It's really hard to have a conversation with someone that you know is very intelligent and all they do is regurgitate the information that's that's out there on the Mayo Clinic or WebMD or whoever, they're not thinking for themselves. They're regurgitating what they've been told. Right. And that's where you have to make that step. You have to have to stop just listening to what you've been told and you have to start uh, finding what works for you on a personal level.
0: Right. And I'm, you know, and I'm really excited that our family is open to making these changes, especially with our grandkids, because I think they're going to benefit so much from that, and you know, it's like I, I told our daughter-in-law, it is not going to be easy. No one says that it is. Um, no one should tell you that it will be. Um, you also have to have this conversation, this hard conversation, with other family members to ensure that they have your back and they know what you're trying to do, and um, because. You know, let's face it. Sometimes family members we are we are the you know we're the worst. We we see a little kid and we just want to feel good and make them feel good, and we give them trash.
1: And grandparents can be the worst, and I speak from experience. So I've not that I've done it. Come on, really, right? I've had grandparents that had totally sabotaged my kids, like giving them overloads of sugar when we've told them no sugar. And you come, back, you you leave them with your grandparents to come back, and they're eating an entire candy cane, like one of those
0: foot, giant, like ones. giant
1: ones as big as a log, you know. And you're like, "What are you doing to my kid? You're you're totally destroying them." And those are hard conversations you have to have, and you know, especially I don't want to call them the older generation because I'm in that generation. Um, you know, we've been brainwashed that sugar is fine and that sugar is good for you,
0: right? So what? it's
1: hard to overcome that.
0: It is. And, you know, it's just one of those things that you have to have these really heartfelt conversations sometimes with your family members. And, you know, lucky for us, I mean, we kind of have this thing, you know, knowledge about this. So when they're with us, it's super easy. Um and, you know, it, we don't expect everybody to have it have it that easy with kids because kids are picky. And the, and what's funny, we were talking about that on our walk this morning. Kids were not picky until you got grocery stores.
1: Right. Not until they had options.
0: Not until you had options. Because if you were in a tribe, what did you have the choice of? Um, that or what was in the pot or what was in the pot?
1: Right. <laughs> and, and that's the, the one thing that we talked about was you have to take away their options.
0: Yeah, the big thing with anybody with kids in the household is parents, you're the one in charge. And I know it gets really hard sometimes, but if it's not in the house, it's just like with an adult. If it's not in the house, you can't have it. Correct. If it's not in the house, you can't give it to your kid. They can't sneak in the kitchen and climb up on a cabinet and find it. (laughs)
1: Because that's exactly what they'll do, like little gremlins.
0: I know, they become ninjas, total ninjas.
1: (laughs) So, I mean, if you're... You know, if you're dealing with this and you've been thinking about trying to transition your kids to keto um, and you got questions, by all means reach out to us and we can give all kinds of great suggestions and tips of how to go down that road.
0: Yeah, and there is, like, for anybody who's listening that has grandkids or kids and you're looking for ideas, there is a Keto Kids group. Um, on Facebook, which I really like pointing people towards. I don't even know who runs it, but there's always a lot of good ideas in there. Mm -hmm. You'll find things that maybe you agree with, maybe you don't, depending on how uh, clean the keto you want to go. But sometimes I'm just like, you know, let's just, you know, we had this conversation, my uh, daughter-in-law and I this morning, um, she was like, what about, you know, sugar-free jello? And I was like, it's not the best option. You can probably find better options or make some yourself, but in a pinch, that's going to be okay if you can find one without dye, because we also have to look at dyes, but you know, not everybody, we have to take baby steps. Um, we're taking out the sugar, taking out the carbohydrates, we work on food dyes, and then, you know, all the other things that come in with the clean keto eating for a kid and it's just baby steps. So if you get on that, uh, Facebook group, you might find recipes that you don't agree with, or you might be fine with it. So you just have to start somewhere and remember that you are building your kids or your grandkids futures and their future health. And you're putting money in the bank when you start like helping them to make these better choices.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that kind of, brings our episode here almost full circle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I felt like it was really personal today because of the grandbabies, (laughs) you know, and that's, that's what we want. We want this to be a very personal um, podcast because this is stuff that we're going through as grandparents, as parents, we deal with our family, with our kids, our grandkids, and what we do with them to try to help them to have a little bit more of a grasp on what healthy eating is and how to fuel their body. And especially when we start dealing with anything, like we talked about with a little bit of behavioral issues, the first thing that I'm glad that we're able to do is say, well, let's fix the diet. Because right. what what a lot of people will do is they'll end up at the doctor's office with their kid on some sort of medication, and that's not where we want to go.
1: No, absolutely not. So. so I hope all you guys are doing well. I, we know it's been... A crazy couple of months. So you know, stay focused, stay on target, do the best you can.
0: Yeah, it's been a it's been a rough one, but 2020 will get better as long as there are no Sharknados in I, the future. I keep saying <laughs> it can
1: only get better, and then stuff happens. I know. Like, well, I'm I was like, wrong again.
0: I know everybody's probably seen if you are on any social media that um, whoever's playing Jumanji, could you stop <laughs> now? We're at like level six. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I hope you guys are doing well. We appreciate you tuning in and listening. Uh, Go out there, eat fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review.
0: Don't forget to send your questions to BTKquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.